morning again, church. Good morning. Good morning. Um, it's certainly a uh, blessed uh, morning that we have to be together, to be alive, to be on this side of uh, on this side of the dirt. Um, it is uh, a beautiful day. Um, and I get, you know, I'm I'm leading. It's leading to a butt. You know, whenever when somebody starts off with the hamburger method, you always know a butt is coming. You know, you're a great worker. You show up on time. You're 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 you, you dress impeccably, but you're horrible at your job. <laughs> so, um, you know, when you when you start off that way, you know where it's leading. So I will not. Uh, um, I won't. Uh, I won't divert from that pattern, and I'll, I'll give you the butt. Um, you know, blessings are blessings are important. It's always important to count our blessings. We all should acknowledge, you know, all the all the various ways in which God makes our life easy, um, and maybe not makes our lives easy, but enriches our lives um, every single day. But those blessings are provided for us for a purpose, for a reason. Um, we know that uh, even the rain that falls from the sky, it, it provides, you know, an enrichment and, and nourishment and, and growing power, if you will, for the grass and, and the flowers and the trees, but even they have a purpose. Um, their purpose is to bear fruit. Their purpose is to continue to support the life cycle, to be food for the sheep and the animals, the, the flowers, a source of pollen for the bees, um, you know, the, the fruit and the vegetables, uh, uh, food and, and, and uh, nutrients for us as human beings. And the same is true with uh, the blessings that God bestows on each and every one of us. You know, we, we talked about a couple Sundays ago about uh, what Jesus said about what his father does. His father allows the rain to fall on the just and the unjust alike. Um, and the difference between, you know, what separates the just and the unjust when that rain falls from the sky is what we do with those blessings. Amen. Do, you, do you take those blessings and, and consume it upon the, the fire of your flesh? Or do you take those blessings and you use those to uh, bring glory to the Father? And that's where... Um, I have been struggling this week is just, you know, while, all the while being thankful and I, and I go to God and I pray to him to, uh, that I am thankful, but I'm also somewhat of a hypocrite when I say that. You know, being thankful for the blessings of God is one half of the story. Man. You know, acknowledging God is just one half of the story. Um, just saying there is a God is only one half of the story. We, we all know the scripture that, you know, the devil and his angels believe there is a God. Well, what do they do? Right? There, there, is no, there, is no, um, there is no separation. Um, there is no setting apart. And here's the word that I think is probably more powerful because the Bible uses the word sanctification. You know, to be sanctified means to be set apart for a purpose. So just believing in God um, does not make you sanctified. 
acknowledging God. You know, the scripture does tell us to acknowledge God in all our ways. But the other half of the story, to the other part of that uh, verse, is that we have to be led by Him. We have to allow our paths to be determined by Him, to walk those paths. And that's the essence of being a hearer, a faithful hearer, is you also have to do. You also have to kind of you you have to activate yourself in the process of taking all the things that we receive from God and using them for His purpose. If you have your Bibles, um, there are we we see that this is going to happen um, when the Lord comes again. Um, we all know you can go back and look at the Book of Revelation. Um, where it says that uh, the sound of the, the last trump, that uh, Jesus will be sent back to this earth. And, you know, it also says that, you know, at this last trump, you know, there's, there's the, the prophecy of the three horsemen. There's, there's a prophecy that, um, you know, that there will be blood in the streets to the depths of a horse's shoulder. Um, it talks about how... Um, the the great uh, uh, sedu seducer the the whore Babylon uh, will be burned and and her majestic city and people merchants you know far off will will grieve for her and it, what it's leading to here is a realization that everyone will have at the second coming of Jesus Christ that there is in fact a God. Everyone will know that God exists. Every knee shall bow. And it says in Matthew, the seventh chapter, in verse number 21, it says, Not everyone that saith at that time, saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But, there's that but again, and we know the the... Uh, you know the power of the butt. You know it's it's going one direction, and then once you get to the butt, there's a change. There's a qualification. There's there should be at least a a corner in, in your understanding or in the in the line of thought. And what Jesus is saying is that not everyone that acknowledges me will get into heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And as I as I go back to um, you know my my struggles this week about you know just telling myself Thomas it's not enough to be thankful for God's blessings it's it's that's fifty percent you got to get to hundred percent you have to acknowledge where those blessings come from and take those blessings and use them towards God's glorification. He goes on to say in verse number 22, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we prophesied, uh, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name do many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers, ye that work iniquity. You know, so, you know, there's, there's two sides of the of the equation, or really not two sides of the equation. Um, they're all on one side of the equation, 
but you have to have both parts of that one side. You know, one plus one equals two, but if you disregard one of the ones, it's, it doesn't equal two, it just equals one. Um, so what uh, Jesus is highlighting here is one that I want to touch on in this lesson about the importance of not just hearing and doing, not just being thankful, but doing something. With it. I mean, we have to manifest our thankfulness with our actions. In uh, the book of Genesis, um, we read, uh, what is it, the third chapter with the fall of man, um, that there was a tree in the Garden of Eden that uh, uh, Adam and Eve were forbidden not to eat. It was, they were told they could eat of every, every uh, fruit that grew from, or every fruit and vegetable that grew in this garden, except they could not consume the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I won't, we, we've talked about, you know, this particular chapter many times, but we know that um, through the temptations of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, that Satan tempted Eve in all of those three ways. And by proxy, Satan tempted Adam in all of those ways. And both of them, uh, they, they were disobedient to the commandments of God and were cast out of the Garden of Eden. And one of the things that uh, was absolutely true, there was no, um, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, wordsmithing on God's part that he named that tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is that when they ate of that tree, the knowledge of good and evil came to them. And the fact that they observed that, one, that they were both naked. And because of the knowledge of their nakedness, they also knew shame. And it says that they hid themselves because of their shame. They, they took, you know, the trees of, a, uh, I believe it's a, a fig tree, yes. And they put it around their, their loins. And, you know, when God went to visit them, uh, he said, hey, where are you? Um, they said, well, you know, we're... You know, we discover that we're naked. And God asked them the question, who told you that you were naked? Well, the idea here is that even from the very beginning, um, men and women, men and women, I guess I should say in that context, were became aware of morality. You know, those things that are good and, and those things that are evil. You know, the, the scripture tells us that uh, that we are not to, uh, well, the scripture tells us that we're not to lean on our own understanding. Um, and that's the problem with morality. And if you'll, you know, just keep your Bibles uh, in Matthew. If you, have a, if you have a Bible, again, we'll be looking earlier on in uh, Matthew, the seventh chapter, certainly um, in Let's, let's start at verse number 1 of Matthew, the 7th chapter. Jesus says, Judge not that ye be not judged, for what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own? 
goes on to say uh, in, well, let's continue reading. I don't want to skip around. In verse number four, it says, Oh, how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. That's a rhetorical question. In verse number five, thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam in thine own eye, and then thou shalt, then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote of thy brother's eye. And this really harkens back to uh, the, the fall of the, the Genesis story. Who did Adam immediately blame for his sin or his transgression? He turned around and he said to God, well, it's not my fault, God. It's, it's this woman that you gave to me. She enticed me to, to transgress your will. I had really no, uh, I really had no choice. My hand was forced. Um, and we, you know, there are, I would say maybe babes in Christ who really don't know better, who will say something like this. Well, Satan made me do it. No, Satan didn't make you do anything, just as well as Eve didn't make Adam partake in that, uh, uh, in that sinful act. Um, when we look at what Jesus is saying here about judgment, is that when we have just morality, Right? It's easy for us as human beings to identify the wrongs in others, but it's impossible without God's help to identify the wrongs in each and every one of us internally. Now, someone may say, well, no, that's not right. That's what psychiatrists are for. You know, that's what psychologists are for. I can, I can read a self-help book and figure out what's wrong with me. I don't need God's um, intervention in order to do that. But you do. We do as human beings. We absolutely need it. Otherwise, there wouldn't be a need for Jesus to have come to this earth and died on the cross in the first place. If we could, in and of ourselves, identify the evil that exists in our flesh. I, I use this uh, example. Um, if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, 2 Samuel. Um, and 2 Samuel, I want to say it's the uh, 11th chapter. Um, what, what happened in uh, 2 Samuel, the 11th chapter? And I'm not going to read all of it, but... Um, as, you're, as you're looking at the beginning verses, you'll see here that the, there's two subjects here. Um, one is David, and the other is a beautiful woman by the name of Bathsheba. It says uh, that in verse number two, that while it was evening, David arose up from his bed, and he, was, and he walked up on the roof of the king's house, and, and from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And, you know, David was obviously smitten. Um, and he said uh, that he sent and inquired after the woman and said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Iliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned 
unto her house. And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. Now, there was a lot that happened here, right? Now, morally, David saw nothing wrong with this at all. Well, let's read on. It says that uh, David said, oh boy, I'm in trouble. He said, he, he said to Joab, send me Uriah the Hittite, and Joab sent Uriah to David. And what, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to skip ahead here because I really don't, for the sake of time, I can't read this entire chapter, but uh, for those of you who are taking notes, I would say, this would be a good point of reference to go back and, and look at in greater detail because David set a process in place to make Bathsheba his wife. Now, why would he do that? Because David knew the difference between good and evil in this context. He knew that he could not make this child a bastard, number one, and he could not make this woman to be a whore. Number two, for, for, for two reasons. She was already a wife of someone else, and this child would obviously be illegitimate, and if it turned out to be a male, how can the king's heir be a bastard? Illegitimate, be born outside of the confines of a uh, of a uh, let's say a legal marriage David knew the difference between good and evil and so he went about to make it right <laughs> and so he developed a plan to make it right he sent Uriah to the to the uh, uh, to the uh, the front lines thank you my brother it just was not coming to my tongue right and let me, let me just put it to you this way. Let, let's read, because uh, I, I really don't want to paraphrase, because there's, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, it says uh, in verse number 12, And David said to Uriah, tarry, tarry here today also and tomorrow, and I will let thee depart. Uh, so Uriah bowed that day and the morrow. So you know what he first did? This is what David did in order to make things right. He wanted Uriah to stay in Jerusalem to have sexual intercourse with his wife and then disguise the illegitimate son as a product of that particular act because he knew that it was wrong for this, for this child that, to be born out of wedlock and for this woman to be considered less than pure. But Uriah also knew the difference between good and evil, did he not? Uriah said it's not right for a commander to be at home while his troops are off in the field fighting. And David begged Uriah not to go. But he's like, you know what? Uriah is right. He's a commander of the army. He's got to go with his troops. And so he said, fine. I'm going to put you out in all on the front lines. We know the story that Uriah died in battle 
Immediately afterwards, David made Bathsheba his wife and accepted that son as his firstborn. Now, the difference between morality and spirituality is what we read in the next verse or the next chapter. You know, Nathan, being a man of God, goes to him, having known, you know, what happened, what does he, what does he do? Well, he uses a simple parable. In 2 Samuel, the 12th chapter, in verse number 1, uh, Nathan tells David, There were two men in one city, the one rich, the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb, which he, bought, which he had bought and nourished up, and it grew up together with him, with his children. It did eat of his own meat and drank of his own cup and lay in his bosom. And was unto him as a dog. Mm -hmm. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock, of his own herd, to dress for the way, wayfaring man that was come unto him, but took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was come to him. Now David, knowing the difference between right and wrong, he judged, he judged righteously. He's like, obviously that is wrong. Nathan, you tell me who that man is, and I will make it right. See, what morality does is it does elucidate to us the wrongs of others, but it blinds us to our own wrongs. And I'll, I'll get to the New Testament scripture here that, that touches on it for a second. I'm just using this as an example. It wasn't until Nathan said, yeah, you are that guy. You committed this travesty, this sinful act against one of your very own. Uriah had nothing except for the love of his life, the, the, the jewel that was Bathsheba. David repented and was sorrowful. You know that that moat was removed from his own eye. He was able to see clearly, as Jesus talks about, his wrong. It says that uh, he repented. Um, in the following in the following verses, <clears throat> but what happened? He lost that job, and he had another son with Bathsheba by the name of Solomon. If you if you have your Bibles, <clears throat> um, if you go to the uh, Book of Acts, and and I and I'm going to get back around to this the point that I made about uh, taking our blessings and using them uh, for God's purpose. You know, you just can't have one of it; you have to have all of it. Is uh, go to um, Acts the 15th chapter. Acts of 15 chapter starting at verse number 36. It says that uh, you know there were two men by the name of Paul and Barnabas. Mm -hmm. And uh, it says in verse number 36, so after after some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Now let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. It says in verse number 37 that 
Barnabas was determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good, as it says in verse number 38, Paul thought not good to take him with him, who departed from them from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Sicilia, confirming the churches. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a struggle that we have internally, even in the body of Christ is what we think to be morally good and what we know to be spiritually good. Here's what I mean by that. Is many, many times we make concessions for people's feelings. Many, many times we say, you know what, um, you know, where the scripture says that, you know, we are to condescend of men to men of low estate. You know, you know, we are to, you know, with our liberties, not use them as a stumbling block for others. And those are all scripturally sound. I'm certain Brother Garner is not saying anything contrary to that because the scripture does not speak contrary to that. But we are to do everything in love. In love for who? In love for God first and for others second. You know, when we stand before uh, the judgment seat of God and, and we say, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out demons in thy name? And, and Jesus says, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. Why would Jesus, why would God rebuke someone who is doing something, a work of good? Let's say. Well, the only reason that... that that person would be rebuked is because even in spite of the work that they are doing, there's something wrong with the heart. Barnabas loved his family. He loved this man who was named John, whose surname was Mark. But the fact of the matter is, is Mark wasn't fit for the fight. And Paul knew that. And Paul determined that it wasn't good to take this man back around because he wouldn't have done, he didn't do the work when we were just visiting one or two cities, let alone all of them. Scripture also tells us, and I'll, and I'll get back to that point, <clears throat> that uh, we are ministers of God. And if you have your Bibles, turn to uh, 2 Corinthians. Second Corinthians, um, starting at, uh, sorry, the fifth chapter. It says, Second uh, Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Um, let's uh, let's look at start at verse number twelve. Uh, Paul talking about uh, being a minister. He says, "For we commend not ourselves again to you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, 
that ye may have somewhat to answer them which glory in appearance and not in heart. I'll read that again just, just for emphasis. Paul is saying again that we are not commending ourselves. We are not, you know, standing. We're not using you as, as a trophy. Um, we are not as apostles of Jesus Christ, as he says. We are not taking all of these various congregations that we're establishing as tick marks in the ledger of how good we are. Right? We, we don't want to do that because... There are some out there who would rather glory in the appearance of things and not look inward into the heart. Right. And that's what morality does for us, is it gives us just the impression of the appearance of things, but the spiritual words of God gives us insight into the inner man. Well, you know what the scripture says. It says that, the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide the Son of the soul and the spirit, and it is also a discerner of the thoughts and the heart of man. I can't do that. I can't do that without the Word of God. Now, I can look out and I can see you act or dress or a certain way, and I can say, well, you're a good person. I could say that Mother Teresa is a good person. I could say that my grandmother, who died as a Jehovah's Witness, was a good person. I know she was. I mean, she fed me, uh, you know, when I was living with her for a time, and she wiped, you know, my backside, and, you know, I have pictures of her hugging me and holding me, you know, up, and, you know, as, as uh, I guess I would say as a proud grandmother or a loving grandmother, would do to her grandson, and I would say that my grandmother was a good person. And people will stop there, and people will struggle with just that one part. We've had men and women come into the congregation and, and come up and say, hey, I want to be, I want to know more, I want to learn more. We've had a series of Bible classes, and then when we get to the question of oneness, when we get to the question of Okay, if in fact the body of Jesus Christ is the body that God and Christ put salvation into, if in fact the scripture is true that he is the way, the truth, and the life, no man can come to the Father but through him. If the word tells us that he is the head of the body, or rather he is the savior of the body, if, in fact, the scripture is true, as it states in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, starting at verse 4, that there is only one body, then it's important for us to, well, then we have to logically say, right, that if, if this person, who I think is good, is not a part of that one body, where salvation is, then where does that leave them? See where I'm getting? And that's a tough, tough pill to swallow. I mean, I struggle with it. I, I know some very good people. 
But I also have to acknowledge just what we just got to reading in Matthew, the seventh chapter, that there will be men and women who say, Lord, Lord, I acknowledge you, Lord. Lord, didn't we not do good things? Yes. And he will say, depart from me, ye works of me, for I never knew you. Well, that's not what, that's, that's what it says in the book of Luke. But we just got the reading in, in Matthew, uh, the seventh chapter, he said, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. But aren't those things good? How can one thing be good and Jesus say it's a work of iniquity? Well, you have to go and you have to delve into the scripture and look at it, go beyond just morality and get into the spiritual concepts of the word of God. Brother people, look up this verse for me um, because I, I know I didn't mark it. I tried to Mark before I came up here. Um, yeah, I believe it's in the, the book of Romans where it speaks about spiritual discernment, that these words are spiritually discerned. And while you're doing that, I'm going to continue to read um, from 2 Corinthians, the, the fifth chapter. Um, starting at verse number 13, it says, For whether we be, we beside, for whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God. Or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we are all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. That is... The spiritual nutmeg, if you will, of the Word of God. And I, and I say that in this context. That, and, and this ties into the first part of my lesson about, you know, taking the blessings and then using them for the glorification and the benefit of God and not for ourselves, is morality serves whose best interests? Mine. Right? I do good because I expect good to be returned back to me. Right? I, I try to do good to my boss, to my friends, to the rich and the powerful, right? Because I hope that in doing good there will be some reciprocity, that it will be returned to me again. Now, you, you may not grasp this, but this is exactly the point that Jesus. Uh, when he was talking to the Pharisees, when he called them hypocrites and, and uh, serpents, right? He was talking about going back to the Old Testament scripture. It says it was commanded that they love their neighbor. Jesus was like, yes, you do love your neighbor, but you only do it because they're your neighbor. You only do it because you want that that goodwill to come back to you. But what about your enemy? You, you say, love your neighbor, but hate thine enemy. Jesus goes on to say that that is not the concept of love that, G, that my Father God instituted from the very beginning. You missed it 
Because you didn't spiritually discern the commandments of God. You were just on the superficial level, just looking at morality. Here we go again. Jesus in talking about divorce, right? He said, from the beginning, it was not so. God did not intend for a man and a woman who are married together to divorce. Amen. But because... Of sin because of the heart, he had to come up, he had to, he had to give him something. You know, Jesus was talking about you didn't get it because you weren't able to spiritually, you weren't able to spiritually, you know, pull out the nutmeg of the word of God and use it even from the very beginning. So I had to give you 10 basic principles of morality to live by. To be your schoolmaster, to get you to where I'd like you to be in the New Testament scripture. Brother, do you have that verse? No, I did not find that in, over in Romans. I'm okay. still. Brother, is, was it 1 Corinthians 2.14? That it, I apologize, Brother yes. People, and maybe it may be in 1 Corinthians. Can you, can you read that, Brother People? Uh, we're looking at 1 Corinthians, the uh, second chapter. Uh, and start reading at uh, verse number 12. Uh, start reading at verse number 11. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 2nd chapter, verse number 11. Yes, sir. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. No, we, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiving not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness. Stop right there. So the natural man receiveth not the things, as it says, of the Spirit of God. You know, naturally, we all, you know, as 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 adults, naturally, and, and I wouldn't say even naturally. Well, I, I know we know what the scriptures mean to say, so I'll, I'll stick with the word that. God intended for me to use. The natural man knows the knows good and evil because the natural man also knows that if I do evil to that person, guess what they're going to do to me? Right? Just knowing good and evil is... <laughs> is is self-centered naturally mm -hmm. right I, I don't want to do good I don't want to do I I'm okay with doing evil to those who are weaker and less powerful than me or I don't worry about doing evil to people who are weaker and less powerful than me because they can't touch me mm -hmm. and therefore I don't have a, an internal motivation to do them any good because they're down here and I'm up here. You can see that in the world right now. 
watching a program. We have enough resources in California, right. one of 50 states in the United States of America, just one state in the, the, the span of, of all of the usable square footage on the planet Earth. We have enough resources, foodstuffs, right. in this state to feed every man, woman, and child on the planet Earth. Do you know that? Not quite? Okay, fine. Add in Washington. Add in Oregon. Add in Texas. We've got enough food on the planet Earth that nobody should be hungry, is my point. Why don't we do it? Well, I don't feed the, we don't go there and drop food every day to people in sub-Saharan Africa, right? Mm -hmm. now, I'm not saying that, you know, everybody in America is, is racist or anything along those lines. I'm just trying to emphasize a point. We don't take the blessings that we get from God, right? We just got the reading, Jesus, God allows the rain to fall on the just and the unjust alike. We are benefactors of the grace of God. We didn't earn rain. We didn't earn the soil. We didn't earn the seeds. God gave it to us to, to nourish ourselves. But what do we do? We don't do good to everybody because we're stuck in this, this moral conundrum. I don't want to drop food over here to the folks in sub-Saharan Africa every day. We're starving. Or water. Okay. We don't even take flood water from one part of the country and ship it to the other parts that need water. Amen. You get me? You get what yes. I'm saying? Yes. We'll ship natural gas and fuel, but we won't ship the thing that we need to survive. We are made, 70% of our body is water. And yet we won't even ship that. We'll allow a young kids in sub-Saharan Africa to walk three miles or walk however long they walk, a day's journey to get a little bit of water to take home, right? And that water is full of parasites and other things that will lead to further distress, pain, and anguish. But we call ourselves good. Well, we don't do it because they have nothing to give back to us. Man. They can't, they can't, you know, reciprocate that good. But what does the Bible tell us? This is the difference here. Mm -hmm. The Bible tells us that the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Guess what the natural man does not get by virtue of the fact that they do not get the Spirit of God. Okay, and this is we're all bringing home. Mm -hmm. And all glory be to God um, for, for the wisdom of His Word. Mm -hmm. go, let's, let's go back and let's look at what we're studying on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Galatians, the fifth chapter. This is what the natural man cannot get because they have not the Spirit of God. Man. They can't get it. 
Galatians, the fifth chapter, verse number 22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Mm -hmm. They can't get that just by being morally good people. Mm -mm. Now, you can argue, you can you can say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't believe you, uh, Brother Thomas, Garner. Okay. Well, you, it's right there in, in the Bible. Please do not believe a word that I say, but believe the words that are written in this book. Amen. Continuing on, the Bible says that not only can the natural man not get these things, it says, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Verse number 15 and 16 says, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. You know, it's... I, I constantly have to remind myself I have to I have to be a good person. Yeah, that's base. But I have to be a spiritually righteous person. That's a higher degree, if you and I'll use this word loosely, a higher degree of goodness. Because that is the only degree of goodness that will lead Jesus and God to say, Well done. Thou good and faithful servant, enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know that I have to get to that point. You know the scripture talks about goodness all the time. It says that you know a good man will take care of his friends. A righteous man will take care of his enemies. How do you how do you know? How are you inspired to get there? Well, the only way to get there is you have to read the book. I'm going to conclude on this point. Um, I'm not going to delve because this is a lesson for another day. Um, spiritual knowledge is not permanent. It's not permanent. You can lose it. Brothers and sisters in Christ. It, it does not stick with you. You have to constantly engross yourself. Um, you have to constantly consume it in order for it to stay with you. Here's what I mean by that. We, we talk about it all the time. I enjoy coming to, to Bible class. I enjoy coming to um, worship because I get my spiritual food. Right? Well, what are you meaning to say by that when you make that statement? Well, what, are you, what you're meaning to say by that is Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, you aren't getting what you need. 
I mean, if you're saying that I feel good because I've been fed, it also means that when you're not here, you're not being fed. You, you feel like, based on that statement, right, that you are not getting the spiritual um, encouragement that you need in order to continue to manifest the righteous goodness of God in your life. That's what you're saying by making that statement. And that's okay. The scripture tells us that we are to study the Word of God. Why are we to study the Word of God? To show ourselves approved, a workman that needed not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. Why does Philippians, the fourth chapter, why does Paul tell us to whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are of virtue, whatsoever things are of good praise, think on these things. Why does Paul tell uh, the church in Thessalonica, the very last chapter, why does he tell them to pray without ceasing? Starve not the spirit. Amen. Why does he tell us to do those things? Because we, our bodies, rather, are not programmed to do spiritual things. That's the reason why Paul, uh, excuse me, not Paul, but Paul, uh, talked about the struggle between the flesh and the spirit. He says the he called himself a wretched man because the body doesn't want to do what the spirit wants him to do, and the spirit doesn't want uh, want him to do what the body wants to do. And he says, "Oh wretched man that I am, I'm, I'm constantly." Yes. And that's the reason why we have to continue to keep the words of God in our brain because it doesn't, it's not permanent. If it were permanent, then I could read this book once and never have to read it again. Right. If it were permanent, I wouldn't have to study to show myself approved. If it were permanent, then you wouldn't see me in this building but once a year. And that'd probably be around my birthday because I know how you guys love to celebrate birthdays. And I love cake. <laughs> But we get the point. And here's the stark warning. Romans, the first chapter, and I, and I told, and I, and I always said I wasn't going to go down this, but let me just conclude the thought. Now, I will, I will get down. I, I think probably the, the most challenging for, thing for me as a minister is finishing. <laughs> um, I'm going to say this, and then I'll just, I'll just stop. In Romans, the first chapter, and verse number 28, it says, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Mm -hmm. You know what it means there? It says, some of them just said, I only, only need it once. Mm -hmm. I, know, I know what I need to be doing. I don't necessarily need, it says, and, and, and in, in this, how this is written, how Paul, how the word of God lays it out here is, not only did they say they didn't need to continue to study and remind themselves and learn, it says they didn't even like to do it. It says, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. 
And guess what? They were filled with all of the works of the flesh that we just got through going through in, uh, in our Wednesday night Bible class in Galatians, the fifth chapter. Mm -hmm. So there it is. We have to be studying. We have to be active. We have to live our lives with intention and purpose. We have to take the blessings of God and use them to bring about His glorification. And if you ever have a question of, well, what should I do with God, what God has given me? Always fall back on what it says in 1 John. That the second commandment is like unto the first. That we are to love one another. So that's the answer to the question. What am I supposed to do with these blessings? Well, if God tells us that we are to take blessings and use them for His glorification, how do we glorify God? By showing love for one another. You know, a good man, a simply a good man, is one who is just concerned about what you can do for him. It, it's, it's inherently self-centered. But a righteous man doesn't care what you do back to me. I'm only going to go in one direction. It's all going to go out to you. What you do in return to me is of no consequence. Because my, my Lord and Savior died on the cross for my sins. What does Jesus require from us in return? Mm -hmm. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Simply to... As, as he served his father, all he asks us is to follow him in servitude of his father. That, that gift was given to us freely while we were yet enemies of God and of Christ. He died for us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so we need to take his grace and his gifts and keep paying it forward each and every day of our lives. So if you're here this morning and <clears throat> you, you struggle with that, um, it's not okay, but it's okay that you're struggling because we all understand. Um, we've all been there maybe once, twice, three times, whatever the case may be. Um, and if you haven't been there, there's somebody in the Bible who's been there. We can't be bashful, I think is Man. my point. If you're here this morning and there is a fault that you struggle with, as I've communicated a fault, another one, by the time I'm done with all of these lessons, right, you're going to think, Thomas, what is going on with you? And I'll just tell you what's going on with me. I'm, I'm, I'm working my Christianity as best I can. I am in every... Every lesson, every verse that I look at, I'm trying to put myself in that mirror and, and do what the scripture tells me. I'm trying to work on removing the moat to my own eyes so I can see more clearly. And this is the best way I know how to do it, which is, you know, preach lessons that uh, um, I think are, are first and foremost of edification to you all, but secondarily edifying to me as well.
Amen. Again, so the, the massive invitation is if you're here this morning and you need prayers of the church, um, whether you've repented or not, if you need prayers of forgiveness, if you need prayers of strength, uh, we're going to sing a song of invitation immediately afterwards. The floor will be yours. Before I leave, I will also say that we also know what we did to become Christians. We heard, we believed, we repented, we confessed, we went down that water grave of baptism. Baptism is critical. Don't let anybody tell you it's not. Don't let your study Bible tell you baptism isn't critical because it is not. Mark tells us, Jesus from his very mouth tells us, tells us he who is who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who believes not shall be damned. I'm not sure where they get the circular logic where, you know, the and baptized is irrelevant just because he said he believes he who believes not and is not baptized shall doesn't make any sense because if you don't believe, well then you just got wet. So anyway, another lesson for another day. I'm going to keep moving forward. But we know that baptism is extremely important and that's the message we need to be betraying to those out there in the world that hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized and live faithfully until death in order to obtain a crown of righteousness. Thank you very much for your time. Amen.